Oakland, California, and then uh, finishing off in Denver, Colorado. And those are through uh, April through May. So definitely check that out if you want to be a part of it. With that out of the way, please enjoy this episode with the Pennsylvania Mises Caucus. And we'll be back next week with more content. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Take Human Action PA, episode 28. I'm Calvin. I'm your host for tonight. Uh, We've got a very exciting episode. Uh, Before we get started, I'll just say uh, I'll keep it to one announcement this time. The convention link for the LPPA, the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania 2023 convention, is live. Uh, I will post it in the comments uh, so you guys can take a look at it afterwards. Uh, Definitely sign up now. We have early bird packages through mid-January. So definitely check that out. All the best uh, libertarians from Pennsylvania will be there, as well as uh, Dave Smith, Maj Ture, Hannah Cox, and others. Uh, I'm drawing. Uh, I'm, there, there will be more. So definitely check out the website and uh, and sign up. And I hope to see you there. It's in Reading, Pennsylvania this year. Uh, so with that, I'll uh, introduce our guests. So our first guest is uh, Mises Caucus organizer out of Georgia. And he's also been producing uh, documentaries, uh, including one most recently about Shane Hazel's gubernatorial campaign out of uh, Georgia. So let's welcome Jake Green. How you doing, Jake? Great. How you doing, Calvin? Yeah. And we've got uh, another person joining us for tonight. Uh, he's also a uh, Mises Caucus organizer out of Georgia, and he has now uh, made the official uh, moved to Pennsylvania and joined us here. Uh, let's welcome Nick to the stream. How are you doing, Nick? Hey, Calvin. How's it going? I'm a little surprised. Uh, we're talking about the Shane Hazel documentary, and you failed to mention that he's on the speaker schedule for the PA convention. That is a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew there was a fourth day. I was drawing a blank, so that makes it even more <laughs> a little even more silly on my part, but that's fine. So Shane, so Shane Hazel will be at the convention as well. Uh, uh nick i'm pretty sure you're going right oh yeah 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 so jake if you go too then we'll we'll be perfect we got shane nick myself and now i'm you planning on go. coming this time i missed last year all right out of town but all uh, right. yeah I'll plan on being there this year all right that'll be a fun time yeah uh so uh i like to start it out with asking uh how you got into libertarianism and the liberty movement so uh let's start with uh, Jake, what were your what were your political origins? Mm. Uh, well, I grew up Republican. I grew up in Texas, super Republican. Went to like George Bush rallies and that kind of crap. Um, and then went to college at SCAD in Savannah and got influenced by a bunch of people there. So I be- basically became a Bernie bro. I have I've had a long path to libertarianism. And then once I started really diving into the economics on Bernie Sanders and how none of his things would ever work in reality. 
uh, I started list, started going back towards republicanism because I'd never heard of libertarianism at that point. But then I slowly went from like Ben Shapiro uh, to like Stephen Crowder and then kind of made my way and found Dave Smith. And Dave was the one who brought me to I actually joined the Mises Caucus before I joined the Libertarian Party. <laughs> uh, right on. So uh, when was that that you joined, you think? Uh, I joined around the same time Nick did. That was what? 20 was that 2021 or 2020 it was 2021 it was like march 2021 march or yeah. april i think yeah so we're baby libertarians technically <laughs> speaking but <laughs> uh, yeah you gotta start somewhere so uh how long after that did you start being an organizer uh almost immediately like okay, with, with, right. within, within a Jumping month right in uh head first i like it um yeah. so what about what about you nick yeah so um you know i it was kind of one of those things where 2016, you know, I kind of liked a little bit of uh, Trump with his, you know, F you to the whole media thing. And um, that, you know, that kind of got the wheels turning a little bit, seeing that and going, ah, there's something going on here. And I had like back in college, like, you know, 2012 or so, I had a roommate who uh, did some of the deep dive into the Federal Reserve stuff and was telling me about it <laughs> then. And it kind of, you know, it was like, huh, that's kind of weird and interesting. And then, like, I had a professor a couple weeks later say the same stuff in class. And then that kind of stuck. And then, like I said, so 2016, you know, things are kind of in flux there. And um, I had a, a coworker who kind of turned me on to, like, Tom Woods <laughs> while we were discussing stuff and. uh yeah, he actually came out to the uh, LPPA convention with me last year, the 2021 convention. But yeah, he, he turned me into Tom Woods and that, and that led Dave Smith and everything like that. So if like 2016 onward, it's kind of like I was sitting there and not really, you know, kind of just listening to the podcasts and reading and whatever else. And then, you know, 2020 and happened and the whole COVID insanity and uh, it was like, ah, got to do something, you know, and then, you know, come 2021, it was like, all right, let's, let's join this and uh, get going, <laughs> you know, so. Right all right. So since you joined right around the same time, uh, maybe you can both, uh, you know, tell, describe to us uh, what was it like in Georgia when you initially showed up? Uh, I don't know if it was like one of your county meetings or like that first convention in uh 2021 like what was the state of the party in georgia at that point go for it nick yeah uh so my so i joined right after the georgia convention so uh in 2021 so i didn't go to that one uh the first time i really hung out with anyone like the first time i met jake in person uh and a bunch of the other guys was uh what i believe it was memorial day weekend when uh national had their uh regional training Ooh, uh yeah. in atlanta and jake and i were at that and so that was kind of my first exposure in person um i had neglected to go to any meetings and then i kind of set up my own county affiliate and uh jake kind of set up his own county affiliate and we were kind of doing those things i mean jake and i only live what 10 minutes from each other and yeah. uh different counties though <laughs> so yeah because what 
how it was like situated here in Atlanta, because we we're right outside of Atlanta, is they had LP Atlanta and they decided that they wanted to make it two separate counties and have LP DeCab and how LP Fulton. And so I got tricked into being the chair of LP DeCab somehow. And Nick volunteered to be chair for LP Fulton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So uh, I'd imagine sometime around the first few months that you were there, at some point you either met or or heard of Shane Hazel because this wasn't his first statewide campaign. He'd done a campaign uh, before this. So uh, how did you end up uh, ultimately meeting up with him? And uh, around when did you find out he was going to be doing another campaign? Yeah, there were kind of people were talking about it. Uh, right when I joined. So it was like, I kind of knew about it in March, April time period, and then really started following him. Um, and I reached out to him through Twitter in probably May, late May, and told him that I want to come film his life for a year and a half. And he said, bring it on. And <laughs> yeah, it was, he, he made it very easy. It was very quick. There was like no negotiation. It was just like, yes, let's make a movie. So that's exactly what happened. Well, and then you went up to his house and uh, you want to get into how you guys almost died. <laughs> oh, I'll just do, just do a quick one. Um, <laughs> we're sitting on his back porch. He lives up in the mountains, middle of nowhere. And we hear people firing in the distance, clearly set up a range on a mountainside. And all of a sudden we hear two bullets whiz right past the porch and we all get up sprint inside like his daughter's crying like it's it's intense because it's like all his kids are out there and me and my wife are out there he and his wife are out there and he takes off into the woods and goes and confronts these guys and um it was it was a very interesting day that's for sure <laughs> so uh, so how did it end did he just find nothing no he found them and he uh very much confronted them and uh, they've never been back on the property again. They were basically using their friend's property to shoot and their friend is or the, like his neighbors never let anybody use his property again to set up a firing range. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's insane. Like that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I mean, I, I imagine in the most of Pennsylvania, this is not the case, but I'm like in, in our area near Philadelphia, it would just be so foreign to me. If I heard a gunshot, I would think that someone, I would think that there's like one of those, uh, you know, city crimes in active progress, like a shooting or something like I yeah. wouldn't associate it with just target practice. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different, I guess, when you live in the mountains with like yeah. three neighbors, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's a little, that's a little bit different. Uh, so uh, Nick, how did you get involved? Yeah. So um, just being a part of the Mises caucus there, you know, you know, Shane's one of our guys and he's running. So we kind of stepped in there. Um, you know, Shane had a whole lot of, had some issues come up. So uh, right before the uh, 2022 LP Georgia convention, like the week before, because like what the weekend before, Jake and I and uh, one of the other organizers, Jared, were up at Shane's house and we recorded a podcast in his studio with him trying to get people out to the convention. Uh, then we came, then come uh, a week later, the next weekend at a convention, Shane had hurt his back 
And so he was down there. He was he showed up on Saturday, but uh, couldn't make it back for business on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, it kind of got to this point where, you know, we wanted to help on this campaign. But he also, you know, he was kind of down and we kind of had to step up and go, all right, we're going to we're going to make something happen here because he ended up uh, in the hospital and two surgeries and he was in the hospital for a week and all this other stuff off of this. Like it was crazy what <laughs> ended up happening there. And we we're like, yeah, it was pretty we just bad. can't, you know, we got a later start. And so didn't get as much accomplished or organized as we wanted, but it was like, all right, well, we're just going to start attacking things and trying to get whatever we can going. Yeah. Well, definitely from the film, like I, I did see it myself. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Like it, it definitely uh, is I, from my perspective, it covers, you know, just about everything. I, I kind of expected it to, you know, I don't want to say just, but in a sense, just follow his campaign and track the progress of it. But it does a lot more than that. It explains all the concepts behind the topics that he's talking about too, in like a very clear way. And yeah, I, I but I don't, but before we get into it uh, too much, uh, why don't you talk to us, Jake, about uh, how you got into uh, making documentaries? Um, I kind of got into it because. Well, I, I did I did film school, so it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't go to college for five years after high school, just kind of worked jobs and stuff like that, and then got into film school as a screenwriter. Um, realized that you basically have to have millions of dollars and an army of people to make like a non-documentary movie. Um, and I don't have those things. Um, so I just started making documentaries cause I can, you can just go out and make a documentary with you and a camera. You don't need, you really don't need anything except what you have. Um, and so it makes it really a lot more accessible, um, to make something like what, like a documentary. Um, it just makes it easier. You can do exactly what you want to do and not be, um, not have somebody else's vision forced upon you and not be told to re-edit things and shoot this and don't shoot that. And you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. So you have a lot more freedom when you shoot these independent documentary style movies. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Uh, so you talked with Shane, was it right before uh, the convention where he was nominated to get this started? It was a few months before. Um, okay. So it was, it was like, may may of 2021 and then he was nominated in january mm -hmm. so so okay. it, it may have all died at convention you know if he wasn't nominated then i would have a movie <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good point i hadn't even thought of that <laughs> yeah but yeah, it, was, a lot of it was a pretty safe bet yeah it was a pretty safe bet that he was getting elected or getting nominated so I, I wasn't too worried about it yeah so uh, how many people ended up uh, working on the documentary and the, and what kind of uh, planning was done at the beginning? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I don't know, Nick. I mean, what, what, like 10, 15 people total, maybe. Probably. I mean, like, it, you know, like this you was, and Jared documentary was, a lot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we pitched in where we could, but I mean, it was kind of your thing. And of course your wife helped you know yeah yeah portions on with for sure uh, that and 
uh, your your friends with music and yeah, not not a whole lot of planning. I like to I like to wing it. Um, I just kind of show up, ask the questions I want to ask, and film as much as I can, and then edit it all together later. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say so, somewhere between ten and twenty people total worked on this thing. Um, we got uh, you know we got Angela McArdle as an interview. We got Spike Cohen as an interview. Jared Bell did an interview, and then Shane, obviously, all over the place. Um, so we got like four really good interviews. We we tried to get a whole bunch more, but uh, libertarians are hard to nail down, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, Jake, I was trying everything I could to uh, get in contact with Dave Smith or get Jake in contact with Dave. Like Jake was ready to fly up there, like what yep. two weeks before the the documentary premiered, to try to get the an interview oh, down. <laughs> Yeah. He neglected to do it at uh, the national convention. So neglected. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did have a small opportunity, but I thought it would be better if I had interviewed him at in his hometown. So that was my bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, maybe you'll get a chance at the PA convention. This is his third year in a row coming to a state convention. I don't think he's done that anywhere else. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, Good so we're, for y'all. We're lucky to have him here. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I, I else, well, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure our convention this past year was the only one where he did like, uh, where he shared a panel with Tom Woods. Nice. I bet that was a good one. Did you go yeah, to that? that was a, I, I did. That was a good one. Nice. All right. So uh, back to Shane, though. So when you're talking about the documentary uh you did miss one person in particular who i think most of the audience would know and did a lot of work on the documentary uh, a certain narrator oh <laughs> yes yeah we scored uh robbie the fire bernstein as the narrator um a little bit into the into filming i realized that it was going to be a super dark and depressing movie if i didn't like put some comedy in there um it would be a super doom and gloom so uh looked through a list of you know libertarian comedians and robbie was at the top of the list obviously uh and he happened to be doing shane's podcast uh like june or july that year and so i connected with him and he said absolutely he read part of the script that i had written for the narrator and he said absolutely and he knocked that out in like three days, three or four days. It was unbelievable. It was great. Yeah, I thought he killed it. Yeah, now that you mention it, I <laughs> I could see how that would be very dark and depressing without yeah. that levity in there. I, I think he did a really good job with it. Yeah, he killed it, man. He he was he was a friggin' pro too. He would get things back to me like s way faster than any other creative person ever gets things back to anybody. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, so while all that was going on, uh, how was Shane's campaign progressing? And, you know, either one of you can take that. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, this was the first time I, I think any of us have really worked on a campaign myself, Jake, Jared, and we were the kind of the ones heading this up and trying to figure it out as we went along. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we tried and didn't work. Um, and I think there's situations in Georgia that make it a uh, more difficult thing than in other places, right? So, mm 
um just paying a little bit of attention of what, like what went on in pa i saw you know you have state house candidates who might be having an event and then you can piggyback your governor candidate into those and and maybe reach a little bit more but in georgia uh and the documentary gets into this but uh ballot access is a real issue there so uh, we can only really we could only really run people statewide. We couldn't run those districted races without dumping a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of effort into petitions. At which point you're going to burn a bunch of resources and a bunch of volunteers just trying to get on the ballot there, and then not have a campaign on those. So, you know, it doesn't really make sense to run those races there. So we're kind of trying to figure things out ourselves. Um, you know, people get busy. So like, like, and then, like I said, um, Shane, you know, Shane had, had the baggage issues and the surgeries and the hospital stay. And, you know, and also, you know, he's not the kind of candidate that's just going to take direction. You know, <laughs> he's a, he's a very, uh, you know, he's very he proactive. Knows what he wants. Yes, yes. He knows, he knows exactly what he wants. <laughs> and, and whenever, uh, something, you know, he might be willing to try something, but the second it's not working, it's, all right, we're going to pivot and go do something else. Yep. So, yeah. And the the injury definitely hurt. Like he, he was, he was out for a while, like way, way longer than, than anybody knew. Um, Like we, we missed the entire primary season to get out there because of it. And it wasn't until like what may or so that we went up to his house and we're like, all right. Yeah. And he was still, he (laughs) he was still, he was still like partially injured at that time. So, it, it, it didn't make things easier. That's for sure. But what are you going to do? You know, you, you can't really fix that. So it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So what was he still podcasting all the while while this was going on? Nope. Nope. No. He really it's long hiatuses. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been getting consistent again, but yeah, he did a, he like disappeared for a month there and came back on like a, like a, <laughs> Oh, I can't, I can't even podcast from my studio cause I can't get up the steps. Yeah, you could hear oh, the you could said. hear the birds on the back porch because he was just doing it into his iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I I was uh, lucky enough to meet Shane. Uh, what was it, twenty twenty one? He came to that PA convention, and I could tell just from like a short conversation that he's tough. So, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. he was it was it was awesome to get a chance to talk to him. Like I could tell, like he's a you know just from that short conversation, he was a really good messenger, but really really tough too. So to you know. To, to hear that when when i did hear it the first time like it's like wow <laughs> i mean i mean spending the time you see how much of a messenger he is i mean he is mm-hmm. one of the best messengers we have i think yeah i agree mm-hmm. really oh yeah no legitimately one of the best All right so uh going from there then um so what kind of uh what did his uh, campaign have like specific roles like oh this person's like social media manager this person's like media outreach person uh how how was it organized behind the scenes yeah we uh we tried to get some specific roles and recruit volunteers um so you know jake kind of took up media because that was that's kind of his thing yeah um i was trying to get volunteers together uh and try to organize some sort of ground game. And then uh, Jared was kind of doing a lot of the 
administrative managing and stuff like that stuff like financials things like that um but you know we were piecing things together so you know it got to a point where like we had a couple really solid volunteers and we had some people who'd show up to things but like i couldn't get teams together we didn't have you know i was trying to get teams around the state uh it was just hard to find the leadership to get people to sign up to get on meetings uh to find the time to do all you know everything you need there and then the resources to be like you know we didn't have the donations coming in until right at the very end where we could spend the money on like all right here's a tabling package for you guys in savannah go do this go do that you know it's like you know, there's, there's needs to be a lot of planning and a lot of money ahead of time that, um, you know, I think we neglected and we are, we learned from there. So. Yeah. And it's like the bulk of our money came in after the debate on PBS. And that was like three and a half weeks before the election. Right. So, so like when the bulk of your money is coming in at that time, it's almost too late to do anything substantial with it. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, because like it's not be one of the yeah, it's not a situation like we have ads running and things like that where, oh, a bunch of money comes in, we just boost what we have. I mean, we we would have had to start. I mean, we were also getting denied from what YouTube ads and oh my gosh, the amount of times Facebook we've been like and, yeah, because I was trying to set up YouTube ads, Facebook ads, all these things, and you just get rejected constantly. Like with with Facebook, it's crazy. They make you. They made me like verify who I was, verify the that I was part of the party. And then they denied the verification and said that I needed to be verified via actual snail mail. So they actually sent a letter to me that I had to fill out all my information and send it back to them. So that was like a two week process alone just to try to get Facebook to let us run ads. And they ended up denying it anyway. So like, wow. It was extremely meanwhile, you difficult. Could, meanwhile, you couldn't watch a video without seeing a Stacey Abrams or Raphael Warnock ad. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a whole. I saw thing. so many Fetterman ads. <laughs> <laughs> now he now he's like gonna be the joke of the Senate. It's crazy. Uh, I definitely get that. Yeah. Is um, he gonna be any worse than Biden? Let's be real. <laughs> well, I, I just want to see them do joint speaking events for the next two years. <laughs> Gosh, I would love that's that. why I was kind of hoping that uh Herschel Walker would win in Georgia and then you could have Walker and Fetterman just <laughs> throw them on a on committees together and just see what happens. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that, that would be fun. Uh yeah, but one one other thing I I definitely want to get to the debate. Uh, but one thing I wanted to mention first was um his previous run for the Senate. Uh, was that right? He was, yeah. he was in the Senate before. Okay, so that that generated a lot of attention, and at least in probably in Georgia as, as a whole to an extent, but also in like the libertarian space, I think that's when he really became more well known because he played the spoiler role that um, Chase seems to have repeated um, this year for the Senate race again. But going back to that. Uh, did you notice that that gave Shane more, you know, positive attention, notoriety, or anything that you noticed uh, along the way when you're working on this campaign this time? Like, did people know who he was from that? People definitely knew who he was more, more than they did before. Like, we would show up to 
we, we got invited to some Republican leaning events um, and they would know who he was when he got there. And there are some, I don't know, there a lot more people than I would have thought before knew who he was. Um, and I would say it's most likely from that Senate run because I don't know what else it would be from. <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, what motivated, uh, or do you know why he ran for, uh, governor this time instead of Senate? That's a good question. Nick, did you ever, did I, you ever talk about I that? I think the largest part was he got, he was extremely unhappy about the lockdowns in 2020. Mm, yeah. And so he wanted to be the one taking on, you know, taking on Kemp. And we saw that in the, in the debate because, you know, he, he kind of knew where to hit Kemp on that. Um, but yeah, I think that's largely what it was. Um, I don't think it was, I think strategically, you know, another Senate run would have been maybe more effective because we saw what Chase did in Georgia, pushing it to a runoff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it seems like the Republicans in Georgia fell back in line behind Campo. He wasn't that bad. You know, he was the first governor who shut down the reopen. Right. So. Yeah. People had very short memories here which yeah. is what we learned with the results uh, of the election. <laughs> I mean, by the time I had moved to Georgia in May of 2020, things were open. Like I, I was in Texas before then and you couldn't go to the gym. You couldn't go to a restaurant. I get to Georgia and I mean, gyms are open. Um, you know, <laughs> you can do things. So, yep. you know, I, it was an extremely short lockdown, I guess there, but yeah, you know, that was always funny though with Kemp because he couldn't he couldn't decide whether he never locked down or if he had reopened before anyone else (laughs) yeah and if you if you watched him enough he was always going back and forth between those but yeah I think the combination of well he was better than all the other other ones and uh and Stacey Abrams being Stacey Abrams just led everyone to fall in line and go nope I'm not risking anything in this one yep Mm mm-hmm even though like the polling heading into that had Stacey Abrams just falling off a cliff. <laughs> That's true. So, Oh yeah. She's, she's a whole nother animal. Just the quintessential double standard person. Like, I, I mean, I don't know too much about her, but just like with taking that picture with all the children masked up and her without it, it's just, I mean, I, well, I, Jake did a uh, Jake did a whole podcast with uh, Brad Binkley from the Propaganda Report on the uh, LP Georgia podcast yeah. called uh, "Don't Be Mean to Stacey Abrams, She's a Victim." I believe is the title <laughs> of the episode. Is that what they said after that? That's that's the title of of our episode. Yeah, "Don't Be Mean to Stacey Abrams, She's a Victim." Um, yeah, I did a whole episode about her with with Brad Binkley. It was great episode because he he does these super deep dives into all these candidates here in Georgia and he knows everything about Stacey Abrams and it was very enlightening and yeah with that picture with her and the school children anytime she would tweet anything we had a few people who would just tweet that photo at her just reply with that photo nothing else like for for a period of like six or seven months and so (laughs) yeah that that photo would get liked and passed around all the time. And it's just like the most hypocritical photo I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I also want to talk about uh, voter outreach. Uh, we got someone who dropped a question, I think plays into it. So um, what do you think that libertarians should do to gain more of the uh, liberal and conservative vote? So what, what were you guys doing in the course of the campaign? Any uh, tips for future campaigns, anything along those lines? Mm. Let's see. Well, I mean, our, our campaign wasn't a huge success, so I'm not sure if we're the proper people to be giving advice on this. I just know, like, we know a lot of things that we could have done better, which one of them was definitely more like focusing our resources and having a much, uh, I would say creating more media and more professional media, but obviously that's coming from the media guy. So like a <laughs> little biased. Um, cause you know, I, I made, we made a couple commercials with Shane. Um, we had the had enough campaign here in, here in Georgia. And then we had a couple of his like platform issues that we did commercials on. Um, we could have done a whole lot more with that. We could have done more with his social media. We could have done more with, we could always just do more, but the issue is we don't have the money to do more. Like we, nobody has the time. Nobody has the money. No one is fully employed by the libertarian party to do any of this. Like we all have full-time jobs. And so it just makes it extremely difficult to find the resources and the time to, to put into, to, you know, to, to do the things that you know need to be done. And there were always, always things that we needed to be doing but we just had limited time and resources i mean yeah i think you know it comes down to what kind of race you're talking about right so in a statewide yeah. race like this you know i think maybe a little bit of a media spectacle is the way to go right i mean for all intents and purposes there's not really too much of a difference between one percent two percent five percent even maybe 10%, right? I mean, in Georgia, potentially because uh, because of the runoff and needing needing to have a majority to actually win a race in Georgia, uh, which they're probably just going to eliminate because they're sick of us forcing them to go to runoffs. Um, but they, you know, the, uh, you know, really if you're not, you know, you're either going to, force the runoff or you're not in Georgia and, you know, forcing the runoff is better than not. But, you know, if you force the runoff, it doesn't really matter if you have 2% or 5% or 10%, you know, it either which way you're still coming in third, you're still losing there. So really you, it's about, it's about messaging and getting the ideas out there um, and making sure you're known and making sure that people know, Hey, you, you know, there is an alternative here. People are active you know, yeah. join and, you know, we can maybe get something going. Yeah. And I, I think that some of the best times to get people to join our team or whatever, our party is when it's not campaign season, uh, when it's not so heated, like we have to pick one, we have to pick our person or else we're all going to be screwed. Um, when it's not, like so heavily debated and so there's not so much animosity between the two parties and not so much is on the line. 
Um, I think times like now and over the next six, seven months are probably the best times to, to start talking to people about, um, about our party and like what we believe in and why we think things should change. And in person is always the best way to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, let's go back to the campaign trail. So when uh, Shane was getting uh, healthy again and you were able to uh, go out and, and campaign a little bit more, were you really under the gun to get more footage for the documentary at that point? Or like what stage were you at by the time he came back out? Yeah. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, no, I, I needed so much footage when he started coming back out because like when, when he went down in January, um, he was out for two or three months. We really didn't do any filming very, very little. I maybe went out to his place one time. And so, yeah, we, we went to tons of events. Um, I filmed every bit of them, um, and needed every single bit of footage that I, that I filmed too, which was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, but we, I don't know, we went to, how many events do you think we went to, Nick, over the course of, like, those three or four months, like? Um, maybe 10? No, we went to more than that. You didn't come to some really? of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I know I, I missed a couple of them. Yeah, I'd say closer to 2025. 20, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, small groups just wanting a speaker and wanting to be, talk to about uh things like like her in the documentary uh things like bitcoin and um and police issues and that kind of stuff yeah so i could definitely tell from the documentary there were some small venues he was speaking at you almost got the sense where it was like a maybe like a classroom or a small meeting room and then mm-hmm. there were definitely some like larger events maybe some of like the outside rallies so uh how how did you get involved in those events like were they scheduled around like having him come out there were they existing events that he came out and and spoke to like uh how how did he get involved with these events yeah so the bigger ones that were outdoors uh it was kind of a slate of speakers um mostly republicans with a couple independents and libertarians in there um and so we would just show up and he would give his speech and talk to all the people around um with the smaller events uh it was mainly just they wanted him to come talk and they like 
put their support behind him for governor and they wanted to hear what he had to say about some specific topics. And a few groups even invited him back a couple couple more times um, to talk some more. So, um, yeah, the, the, the bigger events were more of a community thing and the smaller ones were we want Shane to come talk to us. Yeah, so what kind of groups were they? Uh, I can't remember the names of any of them. Um, I yeah, haven't written was, down. We went to the we went to the one at the uh, uh, the vape shop, talking about uh, cannabis policy. Yeah, and it yeah. had a couple other people who were candidates. So, like the agricultural commissioner for uh, candidate for LP Georgia. Uh, he was there because his whole campaign revolved around uh, passing out weed to everyone. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it was pretty great. And then there was uh and then there was a sitting state senator there and then a guy running for school board in one of the counties and things like that. So there was a small slate of candidates and uh Shane was speaking there. Uh he went out to UGA and spoke to uh their YAL crew out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it was, uh, a group of, uh, it was a couple of black Republicans in Georgia who were fed up with Kemp and stuff that had him out to, uh, like that outdoor event. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. And that, so I mean, a lot of a, the other smaller groups, all I remember is that a bunch of them had freedom and liberty in the name of their group. So it was spot on for Shane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how, how did you find out about those groups? Did someone like cold reach out to them or did some of them reach out to him or how did that go? No. Uh, most of the time they reached out to him, I think either that or he reached out to them. He did a lot of his own reaching out to folks and like he tried to use his podcast in the most effective way possible and have certain people on. And um, yeah, I think he would do a lot of the reaching out or he would be, or they would call him email him or there'd be in, yeah there'd be inquiries through twitter sometimes and yeah like he'd send me people to reach out to like oh this person wants to get involved this person wants to have an event this person's a pissed off republican who might be willing to do an event things like that so yeah yeah like well, i think that's an important point is sometimes when if you're running a campaign you don't always know where to start like how do you how do you find like events you can go to ways you can get out there so that the it's not always intuitive what way you go about that mm -hmm. yeah yeah no, it's not at all <laughs> it, it can be difficult i mean like you know we were just trying anything we could right so we did a we did an lp georgia table at a gun show you know yeah went went great it was awesome it was everybody had a great time right we all bought guns it was a good every, time every, everybody <laughs> bought guns <laughs> uh, well uh, Nick, you're probably on the better side of uh, the state uh, for that. Uh, you'll get a lot more oh, yeah. of that on the western side of PA than on the eastern side of PA. <laughs> <laughs> At least in the oh, southeast, yeah. you won't see as much of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, around the time I uh, I first met Shane, um, you know, besides uh, pulling off the uh, split in the Senate race, uh, he was also known for uh, being a big Bitcoin guy at that time as well, which he still is. But uh, when he was talking about uh, Bitcoin on the campaign trail, like uh, what kind of reaction would people get? Would people ask like what it is or they just have an idea, but you know, want to know more? Um, like how, how did that go over? Yeah, so 
so a couple of the groups that invited him back invited him back specifically to talk about bitcoin because they were intrigued so that was that was like reassuring that people actually he was actually able to explain it in a way where people were intrigued and not just confused and like put off by it um because bitcoin's like i mean as libertarians we don't always feel this way but bitcoin's a huge topic for people and like one that's really hard for people to even begin to comprehend um well, so because you you have to start not just on bitcoin but really start with money itself yeah yeah and then exactly. give a rundown I mean, of money and what's wrong with that and why why bitcoin yeah. fixes that right yes. so exactly as the meme goes so you know he has a way of generally being able to do that um Mm -hmm. There were some times I think it missed. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, that, that happens, happens, that happens with everything. Yeah. So you're always going to miss sometimes, but I don't know. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, it seemed to be pretty resonant with people. Like people seem to really be interested in, especially since inflation was skyrocketing throughout this whole year. Um, and people were seeing the value of their dollar go down. So I, I think people were, interested in that kind of topic and interested in knowing how to safeguard their their money so i think it uh i think it went over much better than than most of the other points that he would talk about because i think bitcoin was the most popular thing that he would talk about well that's really good to know because i always well i was thinking for a while anyway that um it'd be complicated that most people either wouldn't be interested or wouldn't understand it so um i'm i guess i'm pleasantly surprised that um that got such a warm reception yeah we were i was too i was shocked when i mean one of the groups was mainly like 50 60 70 year old people and they invited him back to have a full-on presentation just about bitcoin it was amazing and he, he was, was, we were there for like three hours just talking about Bitcoin to these <laughs> retirees. It was great. <laughs> uh, were you guys helping them set up wallets by the end of it? <laughs> yeah, we were talking to them oh, about really? ledgers wow. and all that stuff and t showing them where to buy it and everything. So. Oh, man. Wow. That's that that's really cool to think about. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to remember that uh, when we have our candidates running this time around uh, 2023, there should be a lot in PA. Nice. Uh, so, uh, so you got footage at the convention. You got footage at the various events that he did. Uh, where, where else were you getting footage from? Oh, I would go up and uh, film at his place quite a bit. We would film just side interviews and questions that I had and storylines that I needed to be filled and stuff like that. And I'd film his family quite a bit. Um, and then basically any event he would go to, I'd go to. I'd take some podcast footage that he had. Um, you went up to uh, Michigan for their convention with him. Yeah, yeah. He could see. I don't know if you used the footage of him going at it with a mosher. I did not was use that, that footage. Yeah. I did, that was, <laughs> felt unnecessary. Because <laughs> there was, there was like a battle that, like, because of mosh, I think, what was he arguing? That the uh, AUMF. That the, AUMF was a that basically was a declaration of war. Yeah. So, um, it, yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. It's old news. No one cares. It's fine. Amash is <laughs> Amash is great. But uh, yeah, I went up to Michigan with him because he's 
he was born in Michigan. Um, and so he went up there to speak at their mm -hmm. convention last year. So I flew up there with him and yeah, basically anywhere Shane went, I would go like all the time. It was, it was a lot of time spent with Shane. How, how far were you driving to get to his place in some of these events? Uh, his place is about an hour and 10 minutes from me. Um, and we, I don't know, we'd drive two or three hours to go to some of these events. So yeah, we went down to, uh, Alabama, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I drove down to Alabama's convention as well with him. So that was, you know, five hour drive. Just a lot of, you know, we became buds over this past year and a half. It's been great. Like yeah, he's a really good friend at this point. So, um, you know, when you're stuck in a car with somebody for a year and a half, you're either going to love each other or hate each other by the end of it. So we ended up <laughs> lo loving each other. So that was good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. All right. So I definitely wanted to also ask about the debate. So how did, well, before we get to the debate itself, how did that happen? What was the lead up to it? Mm. Well, PBS or what's the station here? Nick? It, Georgia Public Broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. GPB, so whatever. They, yeah, it, it's the PBS affiliate, I think. But basically, in Georgia, uh, that's it's put on by the Atlanta Press Club. And so anyone on the ballot, which largely is Democrats and Republicans and us on the statewide stuff, because nobody else has access to the statewide ballot for things like that. So you don't generally get independence. You don't get any other party on there because the, you know, the bar's too high. And we, we maintain it every year. And that's why we continue to be able to run candidates. But um, yeah, so they they will invite anyone who's on the ballot, and they're the only debate that will, because there were several others, and uh, they didn't want to hear it. Like we tried calling, like I think Jared tried calling the producers and everything like that, and tried to, you know, weasel his way in and try to talk to the decision makers and see what could be done, and they didn't they didn't want to hear it, but. Uh, props to the Atlanta Press Club for putting everyone who's on the ballot, you know, mm -hmm. on debate stage together. Yep. Um, even if sometimes that person's represented by an empty podium, Herschel Walker. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So we were an automatic, automatic invitee to that. So it was wonderful. Um, it is, it is a great thing that they do there. I mean, I, like, I feel like they kind of have to because they are publicly funded, so they better be inviting everybody. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, that, that's the one thing we can look forward to during the actual election month is, is that debate. And then by uh, just pure luck, I guess, because alphabetical, um, Hazel comes between Abrams and Kemp, so he got yep. the middle podium, so they had to try to argue across him, which put him in a position to, you know, be assertive there and, and get a little bit more attention than had he been off to the side. Yeah. So keep that in mind. If you're trying to run candidates, if you're running against people, try to get somebody with a name in between them for the debates. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I remember reading about how they like within the debate that chase did, they were like, they showed, um, um what's his guy's name the reverend warnock um, Raphael warnock yeah 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 they kept showing him like with an empty podium or they cut chase out of the shot or something like that it's just yep. they're yeah. doing pretty crazy things so are they doing something similar with shane yeah they would use two cameras and put abrams and kemp 
up on a split screen um even though shane was in the middle like they but they, if they went they, through a full shot they had to show him and then you got the pictures after and he's standing there in the middle and they're like abrams and kemp debate and then we're all tagging on twitter hey who's that guy in the middle <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true oh man yeah uh yeah so uh before before i get into the debate i forgot to ask about um the signature requirements are they pretty hefty in georgia like it was that difficult to do not so, for statewide races statewide yeah, races so, you don't have to get any yeah we don't we don't have to we didn't have to do any uh petition for that because we i believe it's one i believe we have to get one percent of all registered voters not people who vote all registered voters to vote for a statewide candidate so it works somewhere around two percent or so to be safe and that keeps our statewide access for the next year um we're gonna have a real issue in 2024 because of that and because because there was a uh, court case that basically threw out the positions that we would use in 2024 to keep that access so there's going to be an issue in georgia where we had where that access has to be maintained through the presidential candidate and the only candidate to do that was gary johnson in 2016. Mm. so um we're looking at a real issue in 2024 well for the 2026 cycle if in 2024 the candidate for president doesn't pull you know two percent in georgia so hmm. that because if you uh because the signature requirements i believe for any office is five percent of all registered voters in whatever geographical location so um for a for a how for a state house race you know you might be getting a couple thousand it would be it can be doable but it's a it, that's work and you've got to be serious in order to do it a uh u.s Cong a u.s house race you're looking at um what is it twenty thousand or so signatures yep mm -hmm. um public service commissioner which is gonna probably end up districted that was the race that was it, it, they have districts that the person has to live in but they're elected statewide and the court ruled that racist so uh so the court threw that position out and that would be our position in 2026 you know that's our presidential year position to keep ballot access that's going to probably end up districted and so we're probably not that's going to be around 80,000 people signatures to get on the ballot so um you know to do it statewide you know if it's at five percent i mean you're looking at a couple hundred thousand signatures <laughs> like Oof. it's it's absolutely okay. uh, <laughs> <third> levels <laughs> if you lose that so um it's brutal yeah brutal Oof. all right so. uh well so uh going back to what you were saying like towards the beginning the response from the debate uh, was really well. He got more money in. Uh, clips about Shane were going viral on social media. I saw a lot of them. So, um, what was the reception he got from that? And some, and like, were there any big effects other than the money that came in right after that? Um, I mean, the money was definitely helpful. We were trying to run ads at that point and 
trying to do a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, it, it was it was pretty cool to see like when people donate, they can also tag a little, like put a little comment in there. So it was interesting to see where all the donations came from and why they were donating. And tons of them came from out of state, um, from people who are just like, yeah. like, I'm not in your state, but I love what message you were preaching. Um, keep it up. Here's some money. Like it was, it, it was really encouraging to see all that. Um, as far as I mean, there were, yeah, Nick. Yeah. There, there were even some ones that like, you know, there were things said that you're like, I don't know if that was the best thing or did that go over people's head? Did we lose people? You know, uh, like Shane mentioned CBDC, central bank digital currency there. Right. Um, and you, you wonder, does that go over people's head? But I mean, then you get some donations and some comments like, well, thank you for saying that, you know, I, you know, I'm donating specifically because you're the only person talking about this thing. So it's interesting what, what brings people in sometimes that's a good point yeah someone needs to talk about it no one else no one else was yeah all right so uh now that the well at this point in time uh when we're talking about now the campaign is winding down Uh, i'm sure the documentary is too you're probably rushing to get it out so what was it like uh trying to get it done towards the end I so we had a premiere for the documentary on October 6th. I wanted it one month before the election to try to create a little push for Shane and get more people looking at it. Um, I exported the film about three hours before the premiere. So that's how close it came. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it was last minute. Like I was, I was trying to get everything done. Like I had to get a composer. My composer was still sending me music. Robbie was still sending me the last little bits of clips that I needed. Um, It's just a lot of, man, it's just a lot of work, dude. Like to, to put together a documentary like that. Um, and to get it looking professional because the 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 most important thing with with like small uh, movements and like things like the libertarian party or the Mises caucus is to make if you're gonna make media you need to make it be as professional as possible and so I tried to make even though it's it was just me walking around with a daggum camera 99% of the time. I tried to make it as professional looking, as like non-independent as possible. And um, to do that, you have to spend a stupid amount of time in the editing room um, and figuring out all the graphics and all, like just every everything that goes into it. And so... It, it really came down to that last week I was sleeping almost none and uh, yeah, really just throwing everything together that I possibly could. I mean, I'd been waiting on, I was, I was praying for the Dave interview till like two weeks out. And then when I realized that wasn't going to happen, I was like, Jared, I need you to come in and interview <laughs> with me, buddy. And I thought he killed it. I thought Jared's interview was fantastic. For not for not being a guy with a whole lot of media experience or interview experience, yeah, Jared. Uh, yeah, Jared came through on that. Yeah, we're gonna run him for some position here in here in Georgia. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, so uh, one other question about the documentary. Where did the title come from? Um, it just kind of came to me. I, I, I started thinking about like after my first meeting with Shane, I told him that I didn't know what the title of the documentary was going to be yet. Then I was driving back home with my wife and going through my head was like divide and conquer, divide and conquer, divide and conquer. Um, Cause that's seemingly how the powerful, powerful do it is they get everybody at each other's throats and then take over from there. Um, and I didn't like the sound of divide and conquer because it sounded too uh, violent. I think um, divide and dominate just seemed like a better, just rolls off the tongue a little bit better for me. So that's where that came from. Yeah. It wasn't anything special. It was just, it's kind of how I just see the powerful people behind the scenes screwing us over and taking our power from us. Mm-hmm. Right on. So, uh, what what I like to do uh, here, since uh, you know, normally we talk about uh, PA issue uh, topics and things that are going on, uh, and we definitely do a lot of campaigns here in Pennsylvania. So uh, one thing I want to ask uh, both of you uh, before we wrap up is uh, just if you could say anything to uh, any of our future candidates here in PA, like any uh, advice or experience from uh, what you've gone through for the past uh, year or two working with uh, Shane, any takeaways at all? Uh, what, what would you say? Nick? Yes. Uh, so along those lines there, right? I, I kind of want to get into one of my favorite parts of the documentary here. Um, and that's where uh, Shane's one, Shane has a friend and he gets pulled over for driving while black. Uh, and Shane uses that as a springboard to go and get uh, civil asset forfeiture uh, taken off the books in uh, one of the local towns near him. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and yeah, and there's a whole conversation he had with the police with the police chief there on his uh, you know, on his podcast. He plays that, and Jake uses that audio in the documentary. And then Jake's got the footage of him at the uh, at the city council meeting there, getting that getting his resolution passed there. And I think that's just a really interesting point and really got some ideas churning in my head, you know, because yeah, he was, he ended up running a statewide campaign, but you know, he, he probably made the most change there by going, going in there and saying, Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of this and we're going to knock off, you know, all this excessive policing and, you know, and, stop harassing people and things like that so you know that that and i was talking with some of the other organizers jared and uh you know in georgia about things like that and how do we get some easy wins outside of campaigns because campaigns aren't necessarily always a win right i mean it's a possible lose and maybe you get something out of it but you're still you know if you don't win you're not making all the changes that you want you're not you know, you don't get that vote. So um trying to think, all right, when we get people in, how do we, you know, we get people interested. And I think a lot of times people get interested and they kind of fall off. So I was talking with, you know, like I said, the other, some of the other organizers in Georgia thinking, well, how do we get a program maybe where we can tackle issues like that uh, at the local level there? 
you know, someone signs up, you know, signs up and it's going to be all right here, take this little step, take this little step, do this little thing. And we, you know, work them down this path to the point of, all right, if you do all, if you do this, then look at all the change you've made already just by joining and listening to us. Now, now they're hooked. Now they know how to make a change. Now their names out there in the community. Then we, you know, maybe get a little bit of press buzz on it. You know, another town falls on this another, you know, so you know, that's kind of what I think, you know, if people are looking to run for office, start maybe there and start pushing you know, the local city councils and things like that to make some of the changes before you're even elected. And if they don't, you know, use all the media buzz that you can, um, whatever marketing tricks and whatever else and use, you know, if you get it and great, here you are. Uh, use that as a springboard for the campaign and if you don't get it well then run on well here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to fix this and it's going to be better for everyone so i think that's kind of where my mind is on that that's such a good point like so at the at the premiere of the movie i i invited about half libertarians half completely not libertarians and a lot of the feedback I got from talking to those people after the film premiered was they loved that he actually made something happen at the local level and like was actually practicing what he preached. And yeah, exactly what Nick said. That's such a good way to do it. And like he, if you go on his website, radicalpod.com, you can find templates for exactly how to do those things. Um, with like gun control, cannabis, uh, what else? Civil asset forfeiture. He's got like five or 10 of those written out, ready for you to take and, you know, go stand at your city council meeting and wave it and say, here's, we're going to fix things right now. Yeah. And so that that is such a good way to do that. And like start making a name for yourself if you're planning on running, or even if you are running current, like, you know, at a current time. So yeah, that's a that's a great piece of advice from Nick for sure. Um, I would also say, man, libertarian campaigns are hard. Don't just try not to get burned out. Like, take your time, really think things through. Don't try to do too much because unless you're a person who can handle doing too much constantly all the time for nine or ten months, like it gets really hard. Like by the end of the campaign we were all basically dead tired like yeah yeah could barely function um so just take your time think things through um and definitely reach out to people who have who have done it in the past like reach out to me and nick and we can tell you uh that road you may not want to go down or you know we didn't try this thing maybe you want to try that or you know just reach out to people who've done it before because you're not going to know everything um especially if you're doing it for the first time like me and nick were so yeah yeah. for sure so yeah there's some powerful lessons there definitely actually at the local level uh that's that's uh how we've accomplished a lot of what we have in in pa as well so i can't emphasize that enough that you know even if you're running a statewide race you know just it's a lot easier to make a clearly defined impact on the local level um mm-hmm. so is there anything else uh, either of you guys want to talk about that we didn't cover yet i don't think so i, I think, think i'm good yeah, all right I'm good. then 
I'll uh, just ask uh, one more thing of you uh, before we give our plugs. So um, what's next for both of you? What what uh, projects you got in the works or what do you think you might be working on? Nick, what you working on, man? Uh, currently, I'm writing a uh, strategic action plan for LP Georgia um, to give some direction in the long and long term vision to the uh, party. And that's so that our uh, Mises caucus candidates and our chair candidates and everyone else uh, for this upcoming uh, convention uh, can wave that and say, look, here's our vision for the party. Here's, you know, here's what we plan to accomplish in the next year. Uh, the next, you know, here's where we want to be in five years and 10 years, because I think that's sorely, I think that direction in that roadmap on where we're going and how to build and what goals we need to hit. It, I, it, it's kind of been non-existent um and you know it's kind of just been a month by month by month year by year while we do this and we do that and we do this and nobody has sat down to really say um here's what we need uh this year and then you know next year let's reevaluate where we are and see how we get to the five-year goal and once we hit the five-year goal the 10-year goal i mean you know putting 10 year goals i have some absurd goals in there but it's like that's where you need to go you know like if you know i like it it's a crazy plan like you know if you if you hit the 10 year plan like lp georgia would have a bigger paid staff than national right but (laughs) you've got to dream big right (laughs) you know yes you do yeah because absolutely yeah planning is important something definitely that was lacking at the national level and I think at the Pennsylvania level too, before this year, before um, both had some changes in leadership, there wasn't quite the defined planning like there is now. Yeah, I agree. So I've, I've been planning that out to try to help everyone out there. And then uh, nice. it's been a task. I think the plans at about 40 pages right now, like it, it's a massive plan. All but, right. Nick. Um, massive evaluation of just everything um and there's a lot more to go there's several sections that haven't even been written or anything put in but i think i think that's going to be a big first step um you know there's other little projects going on in lp georgia so over the summer we had a um we did a crypto workshop you know we put it on uh offered it up to anyone in the community to come by uh anyone in the party uh, myself and our now chair uh, Zach Farnell taught that. Jake was there for a little bit, um, and we've kind of continued it on on that path. So um, there was like a, I think we had a um, course that was the other week where one of our guys taught how to have like a smart home without the cloud, so that you're not you can have all the nice functionality without running it through the amazon or google servers mm-hmm. so that you control your own stuff and it's not going to all the evil people um i believe zach varnell's doing a uh more advanced bitcoin um, yeah. one and then i am doing an intro to 3d printing in january so yeah. you know we're doing some educational stuff there and i'd like to continue personally on a little bit more there um and do a little bit more education bitcoin uh 3d printing things like that so yeah uh, I'm, I'm working some ideas there 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to talk to you about that later. So I'm, I'm interested in, in those nice. things. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jake? Um, I've been out of it for the last five weeks. I had surgery uh, about five weeks ago, and it was rough. And then I got... <laughs> I got sick twice when I was in Peru and now I'm, I currently have some version of the flu. So I've been oh, man. sweating a lot. <sighs> well, um, so like, I, I do know that I, I'll, I'll still be, I'll be shooting some commercials and media and stuff like that for LP Georgia quite a bit. Um, I'm getting involved with uh, LP Montana over the next couple of years. Cause I'm moving up there. Um, but for the next couple of years, I'll be I'll be doing media stuff here here in LP, Georgia, and that'll that'll pretty much be be it for me. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks, uh, Jake, for talking to us about uh, divide and dominate. And thank you, Nick, to join us and shed some light on shed some more light on uh, Shane's campaign. Uh, so uh, you guys can stick around for a minute. I'll close out the show. All right. Yeah. Uh... All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. So next week, uh, we're going to have uh, Torin back on uh, with Regina to talk about uh, to talk a little bit more about um, uh, psychedelics and the possible effects that uh, it can have in regards to uh, some of the uh, topics that Torin was discussing um, last week related to uh, the transgender issues. So that should be really interesting. I'm looking forward to that conversation and uh, seeing if we can uh, come to any uh, conclusions uh, from that. So uh, I don't know quite where it'll end up. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> well, until next week anyway. So I'll wrap it up there. Uh, thanks everyone. Uh, don't forget to tune in uh, next week, nine o'clock for that episode, which will likely be the last one of uh, 2022. So until then, don't forget to take you in action.